0: All right, and welcome back to the show. So I'm super excited to introduce my guest today. He is the founder of Master Talk, a YouTube channel teaching you how to present, uh, speak, and speak publicly of over 30,000 subscribers. So that's actually super impressive. And today, that's what all we're going to be talking about is how to be a great presenter, how to be a great talker. To go out there and communicate effectively, and as we know, you know, as real estate agents and entrepreneurs, that's a really important skill set to have—is communicating and presenting effectively. So I want to bring on my guest today, the founder of Master Talk, Brendan Kumarasamy. Brendan, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, it's good to be here, Kobe. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, I've watched a lot of your videos, and uh, it's really cool to just see you face to face here and actually have a conversation with you and uh, see the master in action. But before we kind of just get started, man, If for anybody who, you know, don't know who you are or who haven't came across your channel yet, you know, you've got a lot going on. You're doing great. So how did this all start? Because you seem like a young guy and, uh, you know, probably, you know, there's probably a really cool story behind how all this got started. So if you don't mind just kind of sharing your story, how you became the expert in public speaking, you know, even in such a young age.
1: Yeah, for sure. Could be happy to. So for me, the journey started when I was 19. I went to business school. For accounting, funny enough. That's what I thought I was going to do with my life. And I, I started crunching numbers and, and I really enjoyed it, actually. But what happened was I started competing in case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds, Kobe. So while other guys my age are playing rugby or baseball or football, I wasn't into any of that stuff. I did professional sports for nerds, which was presentations competitively. That's how I learned how to speak. But then I, well, as i got older i started coaching all the other students on how to communicate not because i was some expert of communication because a we didn't really have anyone to coach people b there was no one better than me and c i just had an interest i just wanted them to do well selfishly so we'd win more competitions so i started coaching them make a bunch of mistakes along the way and i accidentally developed a talent on coaching other people and i speak so by the time i was 22 i'd probably coached at least 50 people on communication all for free. It was just for fun. Because I had a great job lined up at IBM and I worked there for many years before I went full time into this. And then I had the idea for Master Talk because one of the sixty people that I was coaching said, like, Hey, how did you learn how to speak? And I didn't really know. So I started going on YouTube to see what everyone else is doing. And I realized that I didn't like their videos. So I just started making videos myself. And then it turned into something I never could have imagined.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I think a lot of people, you know, that's how their channels are you know, their businesses get started. It's just something that they do really well on their own. And then the same people keep asking the same questions or different people keep asking the same questions. And you're just like, why don't I just make a video about it? So that's an awesome story how you got started. You just started coaching all these people, you know, at such a young age. So how, how was that like just coaching people how to speak? You know, when you know, you're, know you you're what you said, 19, and you've coached 50 people how to speak just at that age.
1: Yeah, you got into them 27. So of course, yeah. you know, lots changed since then, but you're right at the beginning, I, it wasn't that intimidating because a lot of the people I was coaching were buddies and I wasn't doing it for money. So when I was making mistakes, they would just go, this doesn't make any sense. So that's why a lot of the ideas I brought to the industry were fresh and they were new because I had the naivete of not do- knowing any better. Yeah. So I was just creating my own frameworks and my own way of, of seeing the, the world and how to communicate. But then in the future, you're right, you know, it became a business. Then executives started reaching out, CEOs of companies started reaching out, real estate agents, just a bunch of different types of people. And, and of course, in that case, now there's accountability. Now it's like, okay, how do I coach these people at a higher level? And I think the the difference maker for me, Kobe, was I just invested a lot more time than anyone else in the industry. So even if I didn't have all the answers at the beginning, one thing i had more than everyone else in my industry was I was willing to invest more time for the same amount of money so let's say somebody invested a few thousand dollars to work with me i would invest 10 times more time for that money to make sure they would get results but even if it would take me 10 times longer obviously today i can get the transformation fairly easily but at the beginning it would take me a long time so i'll give an example of that let's say let's say in my program one of the features is you can send me videos of you practicing, and I'll give you feedback. So most coaches might just limit it to once a week or something. But I just said, well, I want them to get the results. So I just said, unlimited videos, just send me a bunch. So I'd literally spend all day reviewing these videos. They keep sending me more, but they would get results pretty exponentially quickly. And that's what solidified my reputation in the industry.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, that's part of, you know, just kind of starting your own business and, you know, making it a little bit different than everybody else. It's like, where can you actually put in you know, your unique touch. And that's what you did, right? It's, it's nothing, you know, you know, I wouldn't say it's nothing drastic, but it's nothing too fancy. It's nothing kind of, you know, groundbreaking. It's just you're willing to put in more work and more time to help people get results that other people are not willing to do that. And, you know, for a lot of people, that's what they need is they just need somebody to not necessarily hold their hand, but to really kind of be there and, and know that you're behind them and are willing to invest the time uh, to help them succeed.
1: Correct. You know, Alex and Layla Hormozy say say it pretty well. You know, to be successful in business, you don't need to start a tech company. You don't need to create this revolutionary product. You just got to be twenty percent better than everyone else in the industry, and and you'll capture all the value over time if you do it consistently right. enough. You stay focused on the same thing, and I and I think that's that's what happened with me. Where even if I was young, I, I mean, think about it, dude. Like I'm 27 now, but I have eight years of experience. That's pretty wild. Right. Like not a lot of people can say that in the communication coaching space anyways. And it's not like that I did something special. I think it's because I'm so passionate. About it. I love nerding out over it. since you've seen the videos. I really take my time. Like yesterday, that this video won't come out for another two years probably, or maybe like a year. Like I was making a video on how to give an award speech because I was just fascinated by award speech. So I like watched 25 Oscar award winning speeches. And I was like, I like this, I like this. And I kind of pulled out three main themes and I built the script. But it took me like three hours to write that. And I don't make any money. I still lose a shit ton of money off my YouTube channel. But it's that passion that you have for the industry that makes you successful in the end.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. And I love it. I can't wait to see that video, right? Because you're gonna be giving your award speech and we're gonna we're gonna cross-reference all of that, right? But um, but in any case, I mean, just first and foremost, right? Like just being a good communicator, right? So I know a lot of agents, a lot of entrepreneurs, that's, you know, that's the number one skill they need to develop. And, you know, a lot of people know that some don't. But in my opinion, it is because if you don't know how to communicate with people effectively, then you can have all the leads come in or all the customers come in in the world, but you have no ability to actually convert them into, you know, into money, right into clients. So, you know, what is, I would say like, what do you think is the first thing that you're seeing out there for either newer entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs who have been in the business that want to level up their game in in terms of communication? uh, What is the first thing they should be addressing or the first kind of blind spot that a lot of people are missing?
1: Yeah. So for me, Kobe, there's kind of two parts to that question, which is entrepreneurship general. And you mentioned there's a lot of real estate agents listening to this too. So I'll give both frames. So the, the real estate one is really simple. Real estate agents often don't have enough urgency to work on their communication skills, which I think is really dumb. And I'll tell you why, because the delta of being an exceptional communicator financially for you is way more money than like a top 10% realtor. So a top 1% realtor will do 10, 20, 30 times better financially than a top 10% realtor. And that doesn't mean like you're out there singing Kumbaya. That means... You're sending more video messages to the customers that you're closing. It means you're getting on more phone calls. You're building stronger relationships. And obviously at the 0.1% play, you got somebody like Ryan Serhan, who's got like a full media team, who's always out there on social media. And that's a different level. But obviously he'll make 10 to even 100 times more than the next person because he's just well-known in the industry. So taking it more seriously is is the most important part, is creating that motivation. Because all the ideas I'll teach you today, they're really simple. They're not hard. It's like random word exercise, question, drill, video message. I'll go through these as, as we go through the interview, but the most important thing is 95% of people who are listening, even if they'll benefit financially and in other areas of life won't do the exercises. So it's like, why aren't we booking 15 minutes to do this? It's because we don't see the incentive structure. Hey, if I did this more, I would create more magic in my career and in the other areas of my life too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, Yeah, it is kind of crazy to kind of think about because for real estate agents, right? Like that's probably the most important part of their job is to be able to communicate effectively because the actual technical aspects of the industry is just, it stays pretty much the same amongst you and all the other agents. It's just who can get the business, right? Who can make the clients feel more comfortable? And maybe you can touch on that a little bit. You know, what do you, you know, maybe define communication as just making somebody feel more comfortable and more receptive to, getting that information? Is that what you would say as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Kobe. So, so let's, let's jump into the tips, then we can build into the right. conversation piece. So for me, communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time, right? So one of those balls is body language. One of those balls is storytelling. One of those balls is facial expressions. One of those balls is knowing how to strike a great conversation, knowing how to listen. But if we try and do all 18 at the same time, all of them fall to the ground. So for me, the question has always been, what are the three easiest balls to juggle? Because if you can juggle those, you can be really, really good at communication. So let's start with ball number one, which is the random word exercise. So the random word exercise is this, pick a word like tissue box, like light bulb, like pistachios, like walnuts, something completely random, and create a 60 second presentation out of that word, out of thin air on the spot. And this serves two main purposes. One, it helps you deal with uncertainty. As agents, as entrepreneurs, as people in general, we face uncertainty all the time in our life. Like, let's say you're doing a listing and you're meeting, you're showing somebody around a home and that person can be really weird, like odd. I'm sure we've all had that conversation Like, really, This person's really odd. I spent three hours with them showing them a home. So when they ask you weird questions, like uh, what's your astrology sign? You're like, what is where does this come from? This has nothing to do with my business. The random word exercise helps you deal with that uncertainty, Kobe, because if you can talk about avocado toast for 45 seconds, you could deal with whatever clients throw your way. So that's one example. The second reason is if you could make sense out of nonsense, you could make sense out of anything. So if you would talk about light bulbs for 30 seconds, when you answer a question about real estate, when you answer a question about your business or just in general, life becomes a lot easier. So that's why I encourage everyone listening, just book five minutes in your calendar every single day to just do the random word exercise. So in your case, you got bigger teams do this before a meeting starts. Hey guys, let's just do a quick random word exercise across the board. And then let's start the meeting if it's like a casual one. And that's the way I would approach it to integrate it in your, in your working routine.
0: That's really interesting. um, As far as, you know, a tip goes is the random word exercise, right? Because like you said, if you can make sense out of nonsense, then you're golden, right? You can make sense out of anything. So that's really interesting, um, the random word exercise. And I think for for agents too, I mean, they can just pick something as far as if they want to keep it within the industry to get more comfortable in the beginning, uh, maybe like just something regarding real estate, right? But it's always important to have this, like you said, like have the practice and getting the reps in. So that way you can, you know, you can be, pulling out that skill on the spot when you are, you know, put on the spot, if that makes sense. So that's, that's a really good, uh, really good exercise to go through is the, the random word exercise. So what, what were the, you mentioned two other ones, what are those two if you're willing to share them?
1: Oh, of course. Look, we're happy. Always willing to share. Them. So, so number two is the question drill, right? So the question drill is simply this Kobe as real estate agents, as business owners, we get asked questions all the time. And we're not ready for those questions. Whether they're at work, whether it's at a networking cocktail, whether it's on a sales call, prospecting, we get asked questions all the time that we don't know the answer to. I'll give an example with me. So a few years ago, when I started guesting on podcasts, I sucked. I remember some guy asked me, hey, Brendan, uh, where does the fear of communication come from? And I looked at the guy and I was like, I don't know, man, Houston, Fort Lauderdale, New York City. You tell me, I don't know where the fear comes from. So I didn't know the answer. So how did I fix this? Every single day, Kobe, for five minutes, I answered one question that I thought the world would ask me about my expertise. So day one was, what tips do you have for introverts on speaking? Day two was, how do you overcome your fear of communication? Day three was, how do you overcome ageism in the boardroom? Day four was, uh, how do you how do you present in a second language? But if you do that once a day for five minutes for a year, Kobe, you'll have answered 365 questions about your industry you'll be bulletproof it's just most people are not willing to just do one small question every single day that's exercise number two and finally exercise number three is the video message i'm sure we, you've talked about the video message so many times on this podcast but the point that I'm driving with this is why aren't people doing it like we know the exercise is important. We know it adds value. But Tom Fury makes a great point about this. It's not about the quality of the video. It's not about how good it is. It's not about how super awesome, well produced it is. It's a binary question. Is the answer yes or is the answer no? So even if you said the, the worst video in the world, clients will a, still appreciate it because you're already they're already your fan. They already love you. And B, you're doing something that 95% of people just don't do on a consistent basis. I'd even argue 99%, but to keep myself safe, I'll say 95 And then let me elevate this even more to show people how crazy I am, Kobe. I have a Google calendar that tells me whose birthday it is in my client base or in my top people in my network or family members. And when it's their birthday, I literally take out my video, my phone, I mean. I put a stupid birthday hat on that's on my couch over there. And I open the phone and I go, guess whose birthday it is today? It's yours. I hope you're on a wonderful day. And it makes their day because I'm the only person in their life that will ever send them a weird, funky birthday video message. And I get get a lot of business from it. So there you go.
0: Yeah, dude, I love it. I I, I sent a birthday message as well to uh, a lot of my agents on my team as well and a a lot of people that uh, I'm really close with. Um, I don't start with guess whose birthday it is. That's a really good line. I think I'm going to steal it from you. (laughs) If that's okay. Yeah, 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 of course. (laughs) But, uh, no, I love it, man. I love it. And you're absolutely right. So it's, it's all about, you know, doing what other people are not willing to do. And sometimes we put too much pressure on ourselves. And I think, you know, if you talk about just overall entrepreneurship or overall communication as well, you know, we think we have to do more. Than we always have to do. Uh, like you were mentioning in the beginning of the podcast, right? You only have to be better than, you know, you only have to be 20% better in order to, you know, actually reap the results of that. So I think sending a video message, right. And it might be in your mind, the worst video message ever, but the person receiving it season is like, wow, this person, you know, they might've thought it was a joke <laughs> at that point. Right. And it might be the best, best video to them. So you never know how it's being received when you're communicating with somebody
1: absolutely and let me give you the full range of that co- quote kobe which is if you communicate 20 percent better than your competition you will stand out a hundred percent of the time right so you don't need to <laughs> i love to reaction as you don't need to be perfect if you're just a little bit better than your competition you'll stand out like why am i so open to the fact that like i want you to take my idea because even if you implement everything that i say it it won't affect my business because we're in completely different businesses, right? That's really the point is that's why I always like to say the outcome that I sell is top 1% communicator in your industry. So the conversation is not about, hey, let's compare Brendan to everyone who's listening to the show. That doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is you need to compare yourself to the other 99 people in your industry. And that's the question. Like if you're a software engineer, and you send video messages. Forget about top one percent. You're probably like zero point zero 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 one percent. You're probably the only person in the country sending video messages. And I'm definitely the only communication coach in the world that I think who sends birthday video messages that are as funky as me, like with the weird hat. Right. So that's really the key. It's always about your your industry, not people at large.
0: Right. Absolutely. And, and I mean, that's part of you know just sharing this with the world as well. It's like everybody does it differently. And I think for agents as well, they're all in different markets too, and they can only work within their market. So if you're the best, you know, communicator in your market, that's all that matters. And because you can go out there and get all the business. So let's, if you don't mind, let's uh, pivot a little bit to just, I think you mentioned this earlier as well, the fear of communication, right? The fear of speaking, the fear of picking up the phone and calling somebody, you know, And you did mention that you have the answer now. So I'd love to get to, you know, get your take on this, which is where does that fear stem from? Because I've heard a lot of times, you know, from a lot of different people, psychologists, you know, analysts, leaders, coaches, that it comes from different places. So in your opinion, right, where does that fear come from? That fear of picking up the phone and starting the conversation?
1: For sure, Kobe. You know, for me, I I take a more common sense approach, which is. Where do we learn how to speak? That's probably the best place to start. Where do we learn how to speak in a formal way? And the answer for all of us, whether you live in the States, whether you live in Canada, whether you live in the UK, India, Brazil, China, it doesn't matter. It's the education system. It's high school, it's middle school, it's elementary school. But here's the issue. All of the presentations you deliver at a young age, you have three fundamental problems. Number one All of those presentations are mandatory. You don't wake up in the morning and say, hey, Kobe, you want to get breakfast and present all day? Nobody says that. So that's number one. Number two is you never get to pick the topic that you present in 98% of cases. So it's never, hey, Kobe, what are you excited about? Are you excited about interviewing people? Are you excited about podcasting, real estate sales, uh, agency? work, uh, no, you got to talk about Shakespeare and poetry, and you don't really have a choice in the matter. So that's problem number two. And number three, which is the worst thing, I I think it's crazy that we do this with all of us in the education system, which is every presentation is tied to a punishment. So if you don't do a great job, not only do you not get a pat on the back, you get a slap in the face. You lose 20% of your grade. And then as you get older, you get really discouraged every time you get on a stage. So what's the conclusion, Kobe? The conclusion is if 100% of your presentations were mandatory, you never get to choose the subject, and they're all tied to a punishment, you grow up believing that communication is a chore, so it becomes one, and nobody wants to get better at doing the dishes.
0: Wow. that That's profound. And I've, I've never heard it said that way before but I would I would absolutely agree because, I mean, you think about, so for me personally, I think about the, just the two different spectrums, right? So I did a lot of presentations in school, right? In high school, middle school, like you just mentioned, I hated every single one of them. It was a chore. But now, you know, when supposedly that the stakes are higher, right? In the business world, when everything's quote unquote real, I never feel that stress, that pressure. I'm actually really enthused and excited every single time I get to present um, or get to go through a presentation or a coaching call with my team or a presentation with a potential agent who's joining my team. I, I am super excited about it and there's no pressure, which is, it's really odd, right? If you want to think about it, because one there's technically not in the real world where you don't have so much stakes and the other one where it's like the stakes are higher, but because now it's a choice, you know, you don't feel that pressure anymore. So that's really interesting.
1: Absolutely, that's really the key, right? And and what you really demonstrated there, Kobe, really well for the audience, is your frame of reference is completely different. Like, I'll give you another example. You gave one about yourself. Another one is introverts in theater. It's it's impossible to think that every kid in theater is extroverted. There has to be some introverts who are doing theater. It's just why they're great speakers. It's not because, oh my God, I'm an introvert, I can't do this. No, their frame of reference is different. They go, oh, I have to do this play in front of a thousand people, in front of 500 people. But the mission, the why behind that play is, I wanna deliver a great performance. I wanna entertain my audience. I want them to feel something. (laughs) So when you have that different frame of reference, it changes the way you even think of communication. That's why the question for your audience to reflect on Kobe, it's not an easy one, but it's one that will get you the result is how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? Just reflect on that question and create the motivation to start practicing the skillset.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just like anything else, right? If you have the right motivation, then you will make the choice to go out there and actually practice, right? And actually Listen to this podcast, right? Even to learn about communication. Cause I'm sure there's people out there who, and obviously, I'm not going to be talking to them because they're not listening to this podcast, but they'll they'll see the title and they're like communication now, maybe another day, right? I'm gonna listen to this lead generation podcast or I'm gonna listen to this marketing podcast. Communication, maybe another day. But if you have the motivation to go out there and really understand how this can impact your life in and it's it's cross-industry, and that's what I love about you know what you're teaching, is because You can take this, you can apply it in real estate. Maybe five years down the line, you jump to a different industry, right? Maybe you start another business. Maybe you're presenting to investors when you're taking a a company public, right? These skills are going to stay with you for the rest of your life versus a lead generation skill set. Although it's important in the industry, you know, when you jump to a different industry, it's not necessarily going to translate over as communication, presenting, you know, even listening, you know, maybe that's something that we haven't touched on yet that we could uh, a little bit later. But, you know, these skill sets, they're they're across industry. And that's why I think it's uh, so important to learn them and and to focus on them.
1: I completely agree.
0: Yep, absolutely. So let's, let's just talk about listening for a second, because I think, um, or at least what I hear a lot of time is, you know, the number one key to communicating effectively is to be a great listener. Um, You know, would you agree with that? Or how would you kind of, you know, how would you present or teach that as far as listening and how much of a role it plays in effective communication.
1: For sure, Kobe. So so obviously, we know that listening is super important. right? It's a big piece of communication. We have two ears and one mouth for a reason, as, as Aristotle or somebody quoted, so that we can listen twice as much as we speak. But the problem I have with listening is no one really teaches practical ideas on how to actually practice this consistently, like the ones I gave earlier, like, hey, presentation scales, do the random word exercise, do a question every day, send a couple of video messages. By the way, the rule for the video message that I forgot to mention is you're not allowed to retake the video. So remember that. So if you do that with that principle, you'll get better. But how do we bring that same level of practicality and tangible results into listening? So I'll teach you a trick that I teach clients that works all the time. It's called, And you can do this with your teams, though you might already be. It's called the goals call. So the goals call is really simple. You pick somebody you really love in your life or somebody that you you have a, a vested interest in, in, in helping grow or seeing them thrive, and you book a 45-minute call with them. Okay, not a minute less. 45 minutes minimum is the call length. You can get on a call with them, and you start the call by asking them to write down what are their top three goals for the year, and why are those three goals important to them personally. So they'll take three minutes, five minutes to write. Let, let them take as much time as they want. Then they write down the goals and then you go, okay, tell me them. And then they start to tell you the goals. And then what you do is you write ex- notes, ideally on a Word document or something on your laptop, and you just take a bunch of notes. And after they're done, you restate everything that you heard. So you go, just to make sure I got this, Kobe, these are top three goals. I don't know, like a fitness, a uh, business and growing the podcast. And this is why these three things are important to you. that. I get that correctly. So I'll spend three minutes literally restating every syllable that that person said. And then when that person, when you're done, then they'll go, oh, actually I want to add this, this, this. And I forgot to mention this so at all. That, and then you restate again, but here's the punchline. The punchline, Kobe is for the rest of that call. Cause only five minutes has passed. So there's still 40 minutes left to the call. For the rest of the 40 minutes, you are not allowed under any circumstances to give advice. You're not allowed to give any advice. Oh, you know, you have this goal. Let me give you, no, no, no. The rest of the call is only used for two things. One is to ask clarifying questions around their goals and B is to restate their answers. So I'll give you an example. Let's say we're role-playing this and one of your goals is, that you wanna grow the business, the real estate practice. So I'll say, okay, how much are you doing right now, revenue wise? And then you'll tell me. And then after I'll say, what do you wanna do next year? Great. How many houses did you need to close for this? So I'm just asking you questions. And then I go, how do you think you can achieve it? What does a 10 out of 10 result look like for you? Obviously I'm not drilling them as quickly as I'm doing now on the podcast. I'm just speeding up to save time, but it'd be much slower. And then I restate and then ask another question. And then I ask another question. If you just do that for 10 different people, Kobe, your listening skills will exponentially improve. And remember not to give a single piece of advice throughout any of these calls.
0: Wow, absolutely. I, I love that. And I think the big piece of it is the advice piece. I think when you're uh, you know, just a, an agent or a business owner or or, or any individual, I think we're just so prone to give our opinions on things and give our advice, especially when you're sitting down with somebody where they're telling you their goals, almost in a position where, you know, they're almost kind of like asking you for help, but not, not really. Um, You really want to give them your take on it, but I love that, right? If you can kind of control yourself and not give a single piece of advice throughout that entire 45 minute or longer conversation, and all you're doing is clarifying, asking questions, repeating it, right? It's not, it doesn't sound like a very difficult thing to do, but you know, that where that's where it comes to discipline and self-control, right? Like, can you not give advice when you really want to? And all you got to do is just repeat the answer back to them. So it's really important. I think um, that's a really good way to just, like you said, practice listening. It's a yeah, it's a really interesting, I've never heard that before, right? I've never heard anybody actually give you, uh, or, you know, like you did today, Give a, an exercise to actually practice listening and how to do it correctly. All we hear is you got to listen more, but you know how, right?
1: For sure, Kobe. And, th- and there's two parts to that. One is what. Why am I a big believer not giving advice? The reason is because the skill set you're working on is different. Remember, for me, it's communication is juggling eighteen balls at the same time, and you need to work on them one ball at a time. Like, let's say when you're coaching your teams on being a successful real estate agent, you're not throwing 70 different things. So you got to get good at doing listings. Okay. Are you great at getting hiring teams to take really good pictures of the house? Get really good at that. Because if you're not really good at that, no one's even going to come on your top of funnel. And then you, you master each component and then you become a superstar in your field. It's the same thing here. The reason you don't give advice in the goals call is not because you shouldn't give advice is because that's not the skill that you're practicing in that 45 minute call. Like all I'm doing today is giving advice. Right. But the reason I'm able to to hit the bullseye, at least I hope I am, based on the feedback you're giving me, is because I spent 10 times more time listening to how other people thought about my interviews. So somebody would go, hey, I like your point on listening, but could you share something that we could actually do? And I was like, huh, no one in my industry has done that. So I had to go back to the drawing board and think like, how do I coach somebody else on how to listen? And then I come up with the tip and then I'll test it on a few podcasts like this one. And then I'll see if it lands. Obviously I've already tested it now. So now it lands. So then when three of them go, holy moly, this is super good. Then I know this is what I'm going to use every time. And then the last part, is how to give advice. That's a completely separate topic. Then you could work on that at a different ball, but you got to focus on the listening first.
0: Yep, absolutely. Very meta, right? Yeah, you're really good at giving advice on how to listen because you listened. So, very, very meta right there. Uh, but no, I actually, you know, now that you brought it up, I, I do kind of want to get into this because I think a lot of, uh, you know, agents, um, salespeople, leaders, right, in the industry, they are in a constant, constant action of giving advice, right? They're giving advice to their clients, they need to give advice to their buyers their sellers, because they're the expert in the industry, right? They know things that, you know, because they've been in the business longer, because they're in real estate, they need to give that advice to the clients. But a lot of times, as we all know, not everybody is receptive. So uh, I really do want to touch on this, uh, if you don't mind is how do you give advice? And more importantly, how do you give advice that the other person might not agree with? So how do you give disagreeing advice and still have them be very receptive to the ideas that you're sharing with them.
1: Yeah, for sure, Kobe. So there's, there's a couple of nuances to advice. So let's start with the first one, which is somebody who's completely open. So like a team member is a great example or else why would they be on your team that somebody wants to, to get better for those people? You know, let's start with the first principle, which is still listening. Cause if you're not listening to what their challenges are, you can't solve the problem if you don't know what the problem is so you have to spend so let's say on a 30 minute strategy call let's say with the prospect let's say the call is 25 minutes i'll spend 15 of those minutes just asking them questions and listening then i'll spend five minutes giving advice and then i'll spend five minutes selling the offer right so that's how I, I break down my flow. And I might add an extra five minutes, let's say 30 minutes. Half of the call is just listening. So so definitely, if you're not spending 50% of the time listening to the person, you're not going to be able to give good advice because you won't figure out what they already know about the subject, what they've tried in the past, what they haven't tried. So that's the first part. The second part is more of a general theme I'll give you on how to give great advice, which is a quote by Christo, the founder of The Future. He says... That value is tell me something I don't already know. Value is something is tell me something I don't already know or something I'm not already doing. So video message is something we already know. But the reason it's valuable is because people aren't doing it. So you're like, yeah, but you're still not doing it. So that becomes the advice. So then what happens is as you listen. You start to realize what are people doing and what are they not. And you're taking it, you're taking notes just on those main ideas. And then when you give the advice, you want to try and spin it in a way where they hear it differently or that you've got results for somebody else with. So let's say I'm I'm listening to somebody and they're going, hey, Brendan, my biggest challenge is, you know, I'm having trouble speaking off the cusp. Somebody just gives me a presentation I have to deliver in 30 minutes, stresses me out. How do I solve it? Then I go, tell me more about that. How long have you been facing that problem for? And I'm just curious. And then at the end of that, when I get into advice mode, I focus 90% of that feedback on the random word exercise. I go, that's your problem. This is how you solve it. And then you're going to do one right now in the call. And that's how you solve the problem and getting them to take action. The last part on this is how do you give feedback to somebody who's not receptive? I'm not super good at that personally, but what I found a strategy that works well is to start the conversation with, you probably already know this, but... So, when you start with, you probably already know this, you're boosting their ego and you're telling them how smart they are, even if they're completely missing the point and they have no idea what they're talking about. But you start with, you know, you probably already know this, or you start with what you agree with, what you appreciate about their perspective, and then you give them the advice that they're missing. But once again, I think feedback and advice is always best practice with people who are the most open to it. Like you're super open to hearing what I have to say, right? Not about you, but about, you know, for the audience. And, and that's why it comes off in the right way. Get better here. And then over time, you can get better at people who are more resistant.
0: Yep, absolutely. I love it. And I do like the advice that you gave or, or the tip that you gave, right? When, you know, it's, it's a different way of framing the advice before you give it, right? You probably already know this, right? So it's basically saying, you already know this. I agree with you. I'm just sharing it again. So it, it's a different way to frame it where you're not necessarily Making the other person feel that they're being belittled, or that you're trying to tell them something that they already know. So even when they do already know it, they will feel that you've respected them and you respected their opinions and their their own expertise. You've boosted their ego a little bit, which is you know it's always good to to boost somebody's ego a little bit before you you give them advice so they'll be more receptive.
1: You got it. I I think for me. There's a, there's a three-part framework I teach on feedback called the right rank deliver. So right just means learn to write extraordinarily harsh feedback, even if you never deliver it. And the reason is because the number one person on your on your real estate agent team doesn't care about, oh, you're probably right, but like they just want it, hey, give it to me, Kobe. I'm doing this much money, but I want to get up to you, your level. How do I get there? So you can just cut the fluff for them. And the second piece is ranking the feedback. Start with the easy stuff first, right? Rank it by order of difficulty. Like for example, the first let's say in real estate, it's probably, hey, send video message. That's the easiest thing you could do. And if you send one, I'll celebrate you. And if you send 10, we'll give you, we'll throw a party. And then the third piece, which ties into what we're talking about, Kobe, is deliver. The way we give feedback to a five-year-old is super different than the way that we give feedback to a 50-year-old executive. Because to the five-year-old girl, it's, hey, share your beautiful smile with the world. I love the way you look at in your dress. I can't wait for you to share this amazing presentation and you make them feel really good because they need a confidence boost. Whereas with the 50 year old executive, you have to show the ROI. Hey, if you don't do this, this is how it affects your bottom line, how it affects your career. So the delivery also changes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right. Different people, the delivery changes, right? You can't give the same presentation or use the same way of delivering a message, even if it's the same message. Uh, to two different people the same way, right? Because they're not going to receive it uh, the same way. And I I love the way that you kind of described it as well, where, you know, you have somebody who's completely different, but you could be receiving the same message and you do have to say it in a different way because it's, you know, if you look at communication, or at least the way I want to look at it is, you know, you have, you're packaging it in a certain way and then you're delivering it and you have control over that. But how somebody receives it and unpacks it You don't have any control over that. You can only try to predict that. So control what you can control in the communication aspect. And that's how you package the message and what the message is, right? Would you, would you say that that's the, that's the case as well?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. There's, there's three parts to communication. The first one is how do you get somebody to listen to your ideas? But a lot of people stop there. Well, if you listen to ideas, I win. But there's two other important pieces as well. The second piece is how do I get people to take action on my ideas? And the third piece is how do I get people to share my ideas with other people? right? That's what a lot of us miss in communication. Whereas you have to be so good that when you share an idea, not only do I love it and I hear it, but I also take action on it. And I get such great results from your teaching that I tell everybody else in the company about you or everybody else in my friend group about you. And that's really the two missing pieces. I, a lot of people don't really think of enough about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's. I think that's the most important part, right? Because you can get somebody... To be receptive to an idea all you want. But if, you know, in everybody's kind of life, right, if they're not doing what you want them to do. And, you know, for me, it's really more important is how are you spreading the message, right? You know, if you're not doing that, then what's the point of even giving your idea, getting your idea across, right? So that's actually really important. And maybe we can just wrap up with that is, you know, how do you get to that point, right? How do you get to that level where you're not necessarily only getting other people to take action on the ideas that you're sharing with them, but getting them so enthused about your ideas that they're actually sharing it almost like, you know, like a bird dog, right? Of of yourself and sharing it with other people as well. How do you get to that point?
1: For sure, Kobe. And I would say 90% of that, in my opinion, when you're getting started is really what you do outside of the presentation. Let me give you a simple idea with me. Actually, let me use a different analogy because I focus on me too much. So let's say we take a cupcake recipe. Let's say you want to share a cupcake recipe with a group of people and you spend 45 minutes talking about this cupcake recipe. Oh my God. You need tea, two tablespoons of a baking soda, this, that, that. And then next week you kind of call people who are at the session. Like, let's say there's a single mother with let's say five kids and you go, Hey, did you try the recipe? She goes, of course not, Brendan. Your recipe is too long. It's too complicated. I got five kids running around. I got too many things to do. Make it easy for me, like make it so that I'm inspired. You didn't even show me like how this good this would taste. You didn't inspire me. So then the next time I run that presentation, I'll make a couple of changes. I'll make it really easy to understand. Hey, there's only five ingredients. It only takes 30 minutes to make. And I brought samples for everybody to try. Ah, so now the single mother, I'm just pointing at her as an example, tries these muffins and goes, oh my God, this would be super easy to make for my kids. Because Brendan said it doesn't take a long time. They taste delicious because he brought samples. And now I need to share this. So then, what happens? Then the mother goes back to our kitchen. She makes these muffins. She gets great results because I explained it simply. And if she doesn't, I have to rejig the presentation again. And then her kids go, "Oh my God, these cupcakes are so good!" And then they start sharing those cupcakes with their their kids, like their friends at school. And then their parents go, "Where did you get these cupcakes?" "Oh, there's this recipe that Jeanette taught me." Blah 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 blah. And that's how that's how they the, the the ideas spread. And that's the missing piece that a lot of people don't think about.
0: Wow, that's really cool that, you know, the analogy you just gave, because it's, it's like, you know, you want to communicate, almost as if you're teaching this person to to communicate the idea forward, right? So you want to think of it that way, right? How can I communicate my idea or my presentation so that this person who's listening to it, can teach it again, to somebody else in their own way. And that's, that's the level of understanding that you, you need to be able to kind of get somebody on the other side of that uh, too.
1: Yes, and exactly what you said towards the end. I've actually never talked about this in the podcast. I'm glad you brought this up, Kobe. Is how do you go deeper on that, that exceptional point you brought up, which is the deeper level of understanding. So I just talked about something that has nothing to do with me, right? Like cupcake recipes. I don't cook. My, 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 my family does the cookie for me. I suck at it, but I pay for the groceries. That's my value in the family. Yeah. But with public speaking, I'm sitting down clients, audience members. Even today, I'm learning a lot from you just as the host, right? Why does this person want to have me on the show? What kind of questions are going to ask? Why are those questions important to them for me to have an answer for? And then as I'm going deeper, I find the answer. So for me, it's do the random word exercise. Force somebody to do it a hundred times and then they get really good. And then everyone goes, how did you do it? And then they share the random word exercise. That's how they find out about me. Or I'll force them to do it with their family. Hey, do this with their seven-year-old nephew. So that's how it works for me. But for you, it might be something like, you get really good results for a realtor who used to be at like a a different company, but then with yours, they made double the money. So then for you, what it looks like is you create client, team testimonial posts of people who five X their bottom line in like a year after being on your team. And then you have your team members share those client testimonials to their social media. Everyone everyone is a realtor goes, I need to work under Kobe. Like this guy is the, the real OG here. And, and that's how, I'm not sure if that's legal in the industry, but you get what I mean. It's just like, uh, that's how I would think about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I love it, man. I love it. And I love the, uh, the, the, the advice that you're giving me as well. I think I'm going to take some of that, but, yeah. uh, Brenda, I just want to thank you so much again for being on the show. You've shared a lot of great value with us today and, uh, especially on communication and how we can improve in different areas of it and how we can get better at it as agents, entrepreneurs, people in general. Uh, so for anybody who is listening to this podcast or watching this on YouTube right now, what is, uh, or what are some best ways they can connect with you? I know you're, you know, you have your Master Talk YouTube channel. Um, you also very active on different social media. So what are some of the best ways people can connect with you?
1: For sure, Kobe. This is great. Thanks for having me. So two ways to keep in touch. The first one is the YouTube channel. Just type Master Talk in one word. You'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to speak. And the second way to keep in touch is the free workshop that I deliver. So I do a free one on communication every two weeks. This is live. This is uh, online. I deliver it myself and it's 90 minutes and it's absolutely free. And if you want to jump in on that call, just go to rockstarcommunicator.com.
0: Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I will leave the links in the description and the show notes down below so that it's easy to access. But other than that, Brendan, uh, before I let you go, is there any other last tips, last nuggets of value that you want to leave with us before I let you sign off today?
1: For sure, Kobe. I would say the last point to leave off on is going back to the question, how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? Really spend some time reflecting on that question because if you find that motivation, it could be growing your business, it could be growing your career, It could be growing your family, being a better role model for your children, being a better role model for the people around you, making new friends. Communication, I've always believed, is the accelerant of dreams. It doesn't matter what the dream is, communication helps you accelerate that outcome. So if you can focus more on that answer, that's what will motivate you to book 15 minutes every day in your calendar, to do the random word exercise, to do the question drill and to send a few video messages here and there.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Love the advice, Brendan. I want to thank you again for being on the show. And I want to thank you for tuning in and we'll see you guys on the next show. Take care.